Hello, all. Please come in. We're so glad you joined us for another edition of the Book Nerd Diaries. Life can be rough sometimes, so please pull up a chair here in the library and relax for a while as we dive deep into the latest books we've crossed off our endless to read list. Please be warned that spoilers lie ahead and some content might not be suitable for all listeners. So go check out the show notes for content warnings regarding today's book discussion. Ready? Then let's get our book nerd on. Like many other people in this world, I happen to be right-handed. I don't exactly know how it shook out that way but I've never been able to do tasks like writing or catching a ball as well with my left hand as I can with my right. For others in my family, however, the opposite is true. They can do everything with their left hand, but not their right. I don't know if there's some grand scientific explanation for why people tend to favor one hand over the other when it comes to fine motor skills, but it's a question that's always been fascinating to me. I've heard it commonly believed that the hand someone favors corresponds with which side of the brain someone favors. Left brain people, it is said, tend to be more logical and analytical, while right brained people tend to be more creative and free spirited. Again, I don't know how much credence there is to these claims, but it's still an interesting idea to think about. In our book for today, The Left Handed Booksellers of London, by hit author Garth Nix. Being left-handed is about much more than just which hand you write with. Being left-handed, in the vernacular of this story, stands for unwavering courage and tenacity in the face of mortal danger. For those of our listeners out there who happen to be left-handed, this one is for you. We start our story in the early morning of May 1st, 1983, in the west of England. Our protagonist, Susan Arkshaw, has found herself in the middle of a strange dream. In her dream, she stops by a river, where she meets two odd creatures. One is made entirely of river plants, with the features of water animals, and another that can only be described as a water dragon. These two creatures tell her, that her father has given them the power to watch and ward. Later on, she wakes with no memory of this dream, to find that it is now officially her 18th birthday. Her mother, Jasmine, has brought her breakfast in bed for the occasion. As she eats, Susan tells her that she'll be looking for a job in London. She also tries asking about her father, whom she'd never known, but Jasmine merely ignores her questions completely. She instead replies that he would have wanted her to stay in the light, with no indication of who he is that she's referring to. Next, we cut to a young man in a mustard-colored suit, who is standing over the sleeping form of his intended target, local crime boss Frank Thringley. Instead of any traditional weapons, the young man takes out a specialized needle and sticks it into Thringley. The mob boss promptly wakes up, and tries to attack when he starts slowly crumbling into dust. As the young man completes his task, 
someone else chooses that exact moment to enter the room. The girl, who turns out to be none other than Susan from our prologue, brandishes an exacto knife at the young man and threatens to call the police on him. As Susan talks, however, a strange, giant bug monster appears behind her. The young man, who introduces himself as Merlin, shoots the bug monster dead in the ensuing melee and leads Susan out a window. Knowing that being at what is now a crime scene will end badly for them both, Merlin and Susan make their way away from the house and head into the nearby forest. There, the duo find themselves pursued by a dog-like creature called a shuck, which stalks in the enchanted fog that has now surrounded them and tries to lure them away from the safety of the path they're following. To maintain their focus, Merlin offers that they should ask each other questions as they walk. Naturally, Susan wishes to know who Merlin is and what exactly he had been doing at Frank Thringley's house. Merlin explains that he is a bookseller, both in the quite literal and figurative sense. Booksellers are an elite group of people tasked with protecting humanity from monsters who can move between the old world that exists just beyond our sight and our own. When they aren't doing that, they work in the bookshops that they own as a front. Within the booksellers are three different factions. The left-handed, who are primarily the monster hunters, the right-handed, who are primarily academics, and the even-handed, who can do both. Merlin, in particular, is one of the left-handed, which is what has brought him to Frank Thringley's house in the first place. Thringley had, in truth, been a vampiric, blood-drinking creature called a sipper, and not a nice one at that. In turn, Susan explains that she had been looking for her absent father. Frank Thringley had been one of a few men she'd found as a possible candidate, and so she'd visited him in hopes that she could at least find some answers. For all her troubles, though, she now only has more questions than ever, and her only lead is now dead. As the duo keeps walking, they find that the shuck has been called off, only to be replaced by a warrior with a bow and arrow trained directly at Susan. Merlin shields her body with his, and shoots with his pistol, only to find himself hit by an arrow in the crossfire. Their assailants are repelled by the sound of gunfire, which gives them a moment for Susan to help patch up Merlin's wounds. It appears, however, that the police have been alerted to the scene at Frank Thringley's house. Sirens had been heard in the distance as they fought for their lives, and now they see a flashlight directed right at them, followed by the sound of footsteps walking in their direction. A voice instructs them to show their hands, and they have no choice but to comply. How will Susan possibly be able to explain to the police all the impossible things that had happened to her over the course of just a few hours? How can she explain to the police that she's not a murderer when the truth is so unbelievable? And how can she possibly go back to the life she once knew when her very reality has now been turned completely upside down. It looks like we've got to go set out some chairs for the next book club meeting, dear listeners. But worry not. More Book Nerd Diaries awaits you after this very quick break. Don't go anywhere. 
Are you an author, fellow podcaster, or small business owner looking to spread the word about your product or service? Then let us help you. We offer a number of affordable monthly advertising packages in various price ranges. So if you'd like to hear your ad here in future episodes, please head on over to our page at ko-fi.com slash bndpod and click on the shop tab to see what works best for you. Again, that's ko-fi.com slash bndpod. Then click on the shop tab. We can't wait to work with you. I know that this will be rather meta of me to say, but I love books that happen to be about books themselves. As a matter of fact, I recently honored The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak as one of my favorite novels of all time on our bonus show, The Book Nerd Hall of Fame. This celebration of the written word is one of the main reasons I picked out the left-handed booksellers of London for this show in the first place and I was definitely not disappointed. In this tale, booksellers are reimagined as monster hunters and protectors of the world, who also love reading. They can kill creatures that most of us mere mortals wouldn't even be able to comprehend, then recommend you a good book afterward, and I just absolutely adore the dichotomy of it all. Most of the time in fiction, brawny and brainy, are presented as mutually exclusive character traits, but that is far from the case here. There's the character of Merlin, for example. He's a trained assassin who knows all about weapons of all kinds. At the same time, he adores fashion more than just about anything else, and is never afraid to be unapologetically, joyfully himself at all times. Our main protagonist, Susan, is almost exactly the opposite. She's incredibly down-to-earth and practical, with a wardrobe primarily full of band t-shirts. But she can still more than hold her own, despite just being dropped into this strange new life. These two characters, though seemingly so different, fit each other so perfectly, and I love them both individually and together. Another cool aspect of this book that I loved was how original the monsters themselves are. Whether they are completely new creations by Garth Nix himself, or remixes of monsters that we already know, each of them helps to make the story feel fresh and utterly unique unto itself. It's always easy to tread on familiar ground, but there's something special about an author building a world that is all their own from nothing, and Garth Nix does that beautifully here. In the end, I would highly recommend The Left-Handed Booksellers of London to anyone who loves series like The Witcher or The Mortal Instruments Saga by Cassandra Clare. Though leaning more towards the modern, urban setting of the latter, there are also more high fantasy and horror elements mixed in for good measure that give the whole story a slightly more fairy tale vibe as well. Much like The Witcher and The Mortal Instruments, our book today largely revolves around elite groups of people who are trained to hunt the things that go bump in the night. As you can imagine, there are slightly eerie moments throughout, though nothing, I believe, that give anybody nightmares. If that kind of story interests you, then the left-handed booksellers of London just might be up your alley. Just be warned, though, you might want to bring a bookseller with you, because you never know what that alley might be hiding.
With that, wonderful book nerds, we finally made it to the end of today's discussion. We love sharing books with you here at the library, and we always love it when you stop by for a visit. Before we let you go, however, we would just like to give out some very special thank yous. Firstly, thank you so much to Julie and Katie, aka one of the very best sisters I could ever ask for, for being our incredible ride-or-die subscribers over at patreon.com slash bndpod. Your kind monthly contributions are really what keep the lights on here at the library, and for that, we can't thank you enough. If you, too, would like to get perks like early ad-free episodes, two exclusive episodes a month, notes, scripts, our monthly newsletter, and access to our all-new private Discord server, we hope you'll join them. Our deepest gratitude also goes out, as well, to anyone who has taken the time to share our episodes on social media, left us a review via Apple Podcasts or your app of choice, or told the people in their lives about us. These are the very best free ways to help bring more people to the library, and independent operations like ours depend on word of mouth to grow, so every bit truly helps. Next week, Friday, April 22nd, we'll be dropping a special bonus episode just for our dear $5 and up subscribers at Patreon. And we'll be right back here in two weeks for another edition of the Book Nerd Diaries. See you then! The Book Nerd Diaries is written, edited, researched, and hosted by me, Amber Wilchin. Thank you so much to the wonderful Astrofret from Pixabay for the use of our theme song, The Grand Entrance. All other music and sound effects you hear during this episode are also provided by the wonderful folks of Pixabay, so please check out the show notes for full credits. If you'd like to connect with us online, please follow us on Instagram or Twitter at BNDPod, on Facebook at BookNerd Diaries, or via our website, at bndpod.wordpress.com. If you have any comments, questions, or ideas for future episodes to send my way, please feel free to drop us an email anytime at bndpod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, everyone, please be good to yourselves, because the world needs you. And don't forget to support your local library. <laughs>